As we prepare to hear the scripture today, um, I think it's important for us to reflect on um, what, it, what it means to be in Advent and who we are. Um, so maybe listen as we hear from Isaiah for where you, where you might relate to this scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom bedecks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Holy wisdom, holy words. Thanks be to God. I have Brad's mic. Oh, it's on. Excellent. Okay. I neglected to communicate with the sound people beforehand. I'm going to preach down here. It's just a little more comfortable for me. So thank you for bearing with a little change to tradition. Um, I wanted to start out this morning with a story um, from when I was growing up in my young adult years. Um, So I grew up one of six siblings, and uh, I have three older brothers, and all three of my older brothers were involved in King County Search and Rescue. Um, so from when I was, from when I was a fairly young, like school age child, um, they would go to search and rescue training every other weekend from November through January. Um, and then they would get to wear these cool pagers cause this was the nineties. So pagers were cool. They got to wear these cool pagers and when a page would go off for a mission, sometimes they could even get out of class in high school to go out on searches and rescue lost hikers and things. So when I turned 14, I was very excited that I could finally go through search and rescue training. Um, And I went out and I spent many miserable cold weekends slogging through blackberry bushes and through swamps, being completely drenched. It was a good thing that we all wore wool. We didn't 
Polar fleece was like new and expensive then, so mostly I wore wool to keep warm even though I was soaking wet. Um, but I was just so excited to get to be a part of this thing that was a part of my family culture. Um, and then I finished my training, and pretty much as soon as I finished, my mom moved us to Washington, D.C. So I never went out on a single mission. <laughs> oh, it's, it's not that sad. Um, <laughs> if you fast forward six years, I'm 20, I live back in the Northwest, and I go through training again, which is actually a lot more fun than it sounds like, Well, because first of all, I, there's something about being miserable and cold and wet in the woods that is just really fun for me. <laughs> and, um, and I don't like camping now, so I'm sorry, Tim. I don't know how that worked out. But, um, but also, my brother was really involved in this. He did 4x4 rescue. He did high-angle rescue. He did Seattle Mountain Rescue. He did everything. So he knew everybody, and somebody actually, I had a shaved head when I was 14. Somebody mistook me for my brother. It was really embarrassing. (laughs) Anyway, so I came back when I was 20. I went through the training again. I was all set, and at the time, I was going to school and working, so I had to miss several chances to go on missions. Finally, I got called to a mission. I went out late at night. It was dark and cold, and it turned out I hiked about two miles up the trail, and it turned out the place this person fell was a really steep, rocky slope, And so the high angle team was out there for about two hours getting him, getting him down and getting him into the litter. And then we take this big litter that the person lays in, you strap them in, and then you put a giant wheel on the bottom and you have six or eight people on the litter walking it down the trail. So you're either on the downhill side holding up high or you're on the uphill side bending over trying to hold this thing. It was horrible. It was miserable in a whole different way than the training had been. And so even though this had been a part of my family culture for years, and I went through all of this training, and I really loved it, it was the only mission I ever went on. I just realized it wasn't my thing. That's what experience teaches us. You sometimes just have to experience things. In fact, I think part of being human is that you have to experience things really to understand what they are. And I think that's what makes Advent such a beautiful season and so perfect because We're waiting to experience who God is. We're waiting to experience something that we really couldn't experience before through a priest in a temple, through prayer. There's something about having God come to earth as Jesus, as a person that we can experience. Um, And there's probably a person who knows that better than any of us, the mother of God. I think Mary had a real inside track on the idea of experiencing Advent and experiencing God. Uh, And that's really the connection with the scripture from Isaiah that we heard, is that was talking about how God, God is looking out for people who are lost and broken and hurt. God is here to rescue the oppressed and to bind up the brokenhearted. God is not so worried about the people who have it all together. Um, But I think if we all looked inside of our hearts, we'd realize no matter how nice our life looks, that none of us really have it all together. And that's good to know that God is here for all of us and God is ready to love us and bind us up and and heal us. Um, And so as we think about how Mary connected with that, being a 14-year-old probably, 13 or 14-year-old who was pregnant and not married, it was a life or death situation really. She could have been stoned for being pregnant and not married. And, um, and yet she comes forward and she says this beautiful prayer and song to God that we call the Magnificat. So I'm going to invite Hannah to come up and read that for us.
My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud with the thoughts of their hearts. He he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he had made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Thank you, Hannah. It's very nicely done. Um, So Mary was somebody who was, again, just very a very vulnerable person. And God was looking out for Mary. God chose Mary to do something special and to really experience Advent, to experience God in, in a particular way. Um, and I, what, I see, what I see in this idea of experiencing Advent is not just that we need to try to experience the season better, maybe coming to church more or trying to pray more or something. What I see is that Mary understood that heaven came down to earth and heaven came to be a part of, of our, our lives. And the best way I can think of heaven, because for a long time I thought of heaven the way we probably, a lot of us do, clouds and angels, pearly gates. And, um, and then I think most of us get to be older and realize heaven's probably not going to look like that, but we still think about heaven being somewhere off there. We're here on earth, and heaven is a different realm. It's a different place. That's not quite how I think about heaven now. The way I think about heaven is really best illustrated. Did you ever, when you were in school, have one of those maps, like a map of the world, and you could see the outline of all of the continents, and maybe they were colored, or maybe it was like a relief map so you could see where the mountain ranges and the deserts were? But then there was a clear overlay that could fold down over it, and it had an outline of where the countries are. Maybe it had the names of oceans or countries. To nod, because if this example, if you don't know what I'm talking, okay, awesome, thank you. It was almost like an amen. Somebody shouted amen in the first service, so your bar is pretty high. Um, So that map, that's how I think. I think we often think of ourselves as living in a very solid world, where the things we experience every day are very solid and clear. What I think is that heaven is that colored part of the map, that, that solid part where you can actually see the oceans and the land and what the land is shaped like. I think the part that we think of as earth, the human part of it, is the overlay. That's where we've written the lines on. That's where we've named things. So heaven and earth are not two different places. They're here together. Earth and heaven are here right now. Heaven is in this room with us. It's just often we're so busy walking around on the transparent overlay, looking at all the signs we've made, we don't notice. We don't notice the solid thing underneath of us. So what I would encourage us to do during Advent is to look for those places where heaven, the solid heaven, is under our feet and right in front of us, and pull them out. Share them with the people around us. Thank you. Thank you, sister. (laughs) We have a professor who's always telling us, 
you got to say amen. you guys got to get into this. you got to let me know you're awake. And it's really awkward for me. If I, had, if I had my choice, I would live in Britain in the 19th century where everyone knew what they were supposed to say and where they were supposed to go and how they were supposed to dress, and there would never be any ambiguity. But that's not how this professor works. So... Um, <laughs> So, so here we are trying to pull heaven into our lives right now today. And it sounds nice. It sounds like a good idea. And I think we could all walk out of here feeling good. It's Advent. I'm going to watch the Seahawks and then we'll feel really good if they win. And we're going to do our Christmas, whatever it is we're doing. But following Jesus isn't about feeling nice. And it's not about feeling good. It's about being transformed. And sometimes it's hard, but sometimes life is hard, so that's okay. We don't want to follow a God who tries to make everything look nice and pretty. So here's how I would put this into practice. Here's how I would say we can really take heaven and pull it into our lives. How we can really take the parts of us that are broken and hurt and see where God is binding them up. Where God is setting us free. I know I am a planner. I like a schedule. I would spend a lot of time making schedules and lists if I could. I would make a list for everything, and then I'd make a schedule for how the day is going to go, and I would make everybody do it my way. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. But I, I know not everyone's like that. Right, Wendy? <laughs> I know there's a lot of people who, who kind of look at the day like this. I'm awake. I don't know what's going to happen today. Things are going to happen today, and it's going to be good. And it might not be good, but things are going to happen. Someone's going to get the kids on the school bus, and I'm going to get to work sometime, and I'm going to get things done there, and that's going to be good. I'm going to come home. Hopefully, I'm going to eat some dinner. I don't know what, but it's going to be good, too, because I like to eat. Okay, anybody know how that feels? Can I get an amen? Anyone? All right. All right. There we go. So an observation was made in the first service that some of the, some of the organizer, planner people were married, married to some of the laid-back people. Yeah, anybody? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so here's what I would say. I think a lot of us, whether we're really a planner or not, we go into our lives, we wake up each day, and we think, this is what I'm going to do, and we've got plan A. Plan A is, um, plan a is go to work. Plan A is go to the grocery store, get home and make dinner, maybe watch something on TV. And if something comes up that's inconvenient, it first of all irritates us very badly because it wasn't in our plan. Or maybe it doesn't and we're laid back, but it still wasn't in our plan and we, didn't, we weren't ready for it. And, and then if something really terrible happens, if plan A goes very wrong and, and we're in a terrible car accident or one of our children dies or we lose our job, then we turn to God and we say, what am I going to do, God, because my plans did not work out? I think that's a really hard way to bring heaven into our experience. I think that's a hard way to look around and find what God is doing and bring it into our lives. I think what we need to do, instead of having our plan A and then God is our plan B, I think it would be better if God was our plan A. What if we woke up every morning, planners and unplanners, all of us, and said, today I'm going to do what God calls me to do. I don't know what that is. I'm just going to have my eyes open, and I'm going to look for it. And whenever God calls me, I'm going to be ready. And then, 
If God doesn't call me, if God doesn't give me a specific thing to do today, if nothing jumps out at me, then I'll follow my plan. My going to work and getting kids to school and making dinner and running errands, that can be plan B, because plan A is always God's plan. It frees us. We're free now. If we don't get to everything on the list, it's okay, because God called us to do something else, and what's more important, my list or what God wants me to do? And then we don't have to feel guilty when we didn't fit in. I was going to read my Bible today. I was going to spend some more time on myself because I know I need to take better care of myself. Looking at a lot of us out there. (laughs) I was going to try to work out today. I really need to take better care of my body. We don't have to feel bad when that doesn't fit in because we can only do so much in a day. And God loves us. And God, I don't like it when people say God has a plan because it feels like a way of writing off what when bad things happen well god has a plan so that bad thing happened but god's gonna make it okay no sometimes things are just bad and we just have to say that and we just have to lament and and accept that things are bad but we can always say that that god has a plan for maybe the next minute of my life and i can listen and be aware i think that's how even in the really busy christmas season we keep our eyes open for the experience of advent it's how we pull a little bit a little bit of heaven out, and we live it, and we share it with other people. We've got to take our plan A and switch it to be God's plan A. Please pray with me. God of Advent, God of joy and hope, we thank you. Uh, We thank you for this season, for a time of waiting a time of looking forward to the time when you would come and be with us, that we can experience God on earth, that we can experience knowing you in human form. And we thank you that, um, that we don't have to have it all planned and figured out. Um, our plans are good. It's good for us to be diligent and disciplined and careful people. But it's also very good for us to listen for what your spirit says and be ready to move with you, to let you move in our hearts and lives. Help us to keep our eyes open as we move through the season of Advent, to see where you're leading us, to see how you're loving us, and to feel you embrace us, and to feel you push us along sometimes as well. We thank you and ask for all of these things in your holy name. And we also remember to pray as your son Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.